you on a subject that I'm called, I'm calling finishing strong. Let's point to ourselves and say to ourselves, finish strong. There's a lot to that, especially when you reach any part of your life that you think has the end of one part of your life, whether you're getting older or you're getting retired or anything. It's real tempting to not finish strong, to just finish, just get to the end. But the Lord's calling us to finish strong. And so yesterday, I was meditating on principles or uh, proverbs, as it were, for finishing strong. What does the Lord say? And so um, suddenly, I started writing down things, and I'll find it here. I started writing down things about finishing strong. So a lot of them are lengthy, and I'm going to not read them all to you by any means, but this is an example. The Lord just started putting those into me. I've got over 21 of them, and I just started yesterday, but one of them is do hard things when nobody is looking, then you'll finish strong when everyone is. Whatever you are thinking, meditating, and hoping for is coming to you faster than you believed. Think big and small places. Meditate that you're always doing the impossible and hope beyond every man's hope. In this, it can never be that you won't finish strong. Amen. And lastly, I'm going to read this one. Today I will be a better man. It's not even hard for me to live stronger. I will do it again tomorrow. Therefore, I will always finish strong. Finishing strong. It's a real important part of life because a lot of Christians are in the doing of today. They're just trying to cope or to get along or survive or whatever. There's a lot of hopelessness in our world. And right now our world is at war and on the brink of something terrible, if that would be it. But I hardly take a thought. You should hardly take a thought. Because people are the only thing that matters. And we're not to be distracted by anything. So we're going to finish strong. Let's do it again. Finish strong. We're going to finish strong because we are made to finish strong. We are created to finish strong. Uh, there's a scripture, I think it's in Timothy, or it may be in Peter, that talks about girding up the loins of your mind. The New International says, set your mind for action. And that's what we're doing this morning. That's what you do when you read the Bible. That's what you do when you when you share with somebody your testimony or what's going on, is uh, you're letting the Word of God set your mind for action or change the way you think. It's developing an attitude in us. Have you ever been around negative people? I mean, they're going to heaven. They love God, and they would tell you so. But they're negative. They have a pessimistic or a negative attitude about how things are and how things are going to be. And it's really hard to be around those people without trying to intervene and interrupt and change their story. But we always think in terms of, for instance, the glass is at least half full. We never think about, well, this thing's going down the drain. We always think about thinking big in small places, not letting our atmosphere, our environment, our place affect us and pull us down, making us conform to it, but actually making us conform to the Word of God. We're always having a way to win. We always have a way to win. No matter how tough it is, no matter how secluded our, our situation may be, there is always a way to win. That's how we think. 
That's how we approach. That's how we not survive, but actually thrive. Uh, we have an attitude as Christians to be happy all the time. I'm not waiting on anything to change or happen for me to be happy. I'm already happy, and it just doesn't matter what's going on out there. So, so the Word of God tells us how to finish strong. You have to be strong to finish strong. You got to be strong. So here at River Church, we're always talking about being strong. That's our job. We're already born again. We're always already going to heaven. We're going to swish up when the Lord uh, uh, blows that trump. We're all going to swish up in a blink of an eye, uh, an atomic second, and we will be in heaven with him there. And everything is going to be just fine. But days of heaven says everything's fine right now. So there's two scenarios I looked at. One thing, one way life goes is it's going so good. Do you know people? Have you been there where life is going so well? Then suddenly the fairy tale slips away in what you invested in, what you hoped in, what you were going towards. It goes the other way, and suddenly your dreams are so-called dashed, and you lose hope, and you're tempted to live hope. And then Job's friends comes by and says, yeah, it's worse than you even thought. I had a brother-in-law that had that, and he did this and went that way and all that. Or you can be in another scenario, if you're in an extreme, where everything's going south already. Everything looks terrible. It looks bleak. It looks tough. But then suddenly something changes. I call it the turnaround that causes your life to suddenly reverse. And all of a sudden, everything that was bad is not bad, and everything could be good is good. And uh, everything is turning out amazing. And everything that's not amazing is still turning. Amen. Amen. We, have to, we have to put that in us. And it's all based on Scripture. I would like for you to turn with me to the book of Genesis, please, and look in chapter 18. And I want to, uh, of course, I want to minister on finishing strong. Don't you all want to finish strong? Even if it's just finished this week, or finished this year, or raise your children, we want to finish strong. We don't want to raise our kids and then look back in 20 years and says, I should have done better. We should do better right now. Because that window closes. It's not open. It has an expiration date on it. In chapter 18, we see a, a scripture in verse 19 that talks about how God chose his man of faith after Adam fell, uh, after Noah saved us back to, to life again, how God chose a man in order to bring the Messiah. Everything was based on the fallen man, Adam and Eve, being replaced by the Messiah. So it says in verse 19, God says... God. God's talking here. He says, For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. That's called finishing strong right there. The Lord's finding someone that wants to finish strong. It's an attitude. It's not something that you can uh, take a test on or come up with uh, multiple choice. It's your attitude. Do you have an attitude this morning that says, I will not be put down. I will not come in last. I won't even come in second. You have an attitude. It's, 
It's from putting stuff in and bleeding stuff out that we finally exchange our negative life, our worldly life, for the life that the Lord Jesus gave us as he is. So are we in this world. And so we believe that scripture. Therefore, we act like that scripture is true. And therefore, we have what the word says about us. We take on who he made us. We're not taking on something that he didn't make us, but he already made us in the new birth. We've been in Christed, and therefore we're so powerful, we're so amazing. So much more than our minds can even comprehend. So our minds are behind. We're having to renew our minds to the truth, and even then, commentators and religious sects and, and uh, clergy and then just our neighbor will tell you that's not true, that can't be, that's not going to happen. I looked on the web yesterday, I was looking for something else, and I, I saw a, an article on, in Facebook or in YouTube somewhere, I never know where I am online, but uh, that talked about all the faith preachers and how wrong they are. And the first, the first clip up was Gloria Copeland saying that we're in charge of the weather. Well, I can tell you this was a burr under this guy's saddle. This, uh, this was, uh, he wasn't having any of it, you know, because she said, the weather is subject to us. And she, she told the story. She said, one time there's a tornado coming right towards our property. And Kenneth saw it and he looked up and he said, I command you in the name of Jesus to rise up into the clouds and disappear. And she was telling this story. She said, it just amazingly just disappeared. You could see it just zip up. And this guy was commenting about how crazy and how uh, misplaced these beliefs are. So you're, you're not in the favored status if you believe that you're in charge of the weather or anything else. It says here that I, I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. So Abraham, or Abram, was chosen based on his attitude, his perspective, his outlook, his uh, character. He was chosen. Before God knew, uh, let anybody know that he was choosing Abraham acted right, did right, put on the things of righteousness, and then in that he was chosen. So God picked a winner before he had even run the race. And in this particular case, it says that the characteristics that God was looking for is somebody that would finish strong. Not someone that just started out strong or, or had the potential, but someone that he knew had the elements in him to finish strong. In other words, he had to raise his son, Isaac, who then had to raise his sons, Jacob and Esau, who then had to uh, raise Jacob's sons, the 12 tribes. He had to see that. He didn't just say, you know, I, I got a boy down there, Abram, and he is a hot shot, but I never know where he's going to go with it after he's gone. He had to have someone that would stay in line, have a line, have a have a download, as it were, into his children who would then also download that who would also download so that he could bring the Messiah into the earth. The whole thing was to bring the Messiah because we were hopelessly lost and without hope uh, until the Messiah came, until the Lord Jesus came. Everything depended on that. And if there was one break or one misstep in there where, where everything fell apart, then the plan would not come to pass. Turn with me, if you would, to Galatians chapter 5. Are y'all okay this morning? Yes. So the Lord doesn't change. That's still what he's looking for. 
is someone that'll finish strong, a strong finisher. And I want to show you this morning from the scriptures how you finish strong. What the word says. It says we looked at this uh, Wednesday in chapter 5 of Galatians, verse 7, where Paul is speaking to this group of people, this church, and he said, You did run well. Bravo. Yay. Kudos. Hallelujah. But then he, after the semicolon, he lowers the boom. He says, uh, who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? So he said, you started strong. You did run well. You did run well. You have run well, but then you don't obey the truth. It's not going to end well. It's not going to end strong just because you had a good start. So if you're in a, a race, then we looked at a race that uh, David Waddle ran in the 72 Olympics and saw how he was, the, he was way back and he won the race. So starting strong or getting out in front doesn't really determine who's going to end up strong. And we don't even know the names of those guys that ran the first half, the first 400 yards fast and in front. Matter of fact, uh, they were ahead the last 600 yards, but they didn't win the last 200 yards. And that's all that's ever noted about this runner is that he finished strong. Well, I wrote down, and I told you this, that being hindered, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Hindered means being neutralized. What would be worse than being neutralized? to have all this potential, have all the promises, have all the glory of God in your life, the anointing and the grace on your life, to have God have said before you are a thought to your mother, I've got a plan for him, I've got a plan for her, and this is how I want it to go, and it'll be great, and it'll be like bringing the Messiah, and it'll be like Abraham, and for us just to blow it up and just quit and just get tired or get weary in well-doing. That's a real scripture, you know, in Galatians. He said, don't do it. He said, if you, if you don't do it, because you'll reap if you do not faint. So there's a lot of fainting potential. There's a lot of fainting, giving up, being neutralized, where you're not in the race anymore. Uh, it means also being rendered ineffective. The word means to be unemployed. It means to be barren. It means to be fruitless. Who hindered you? Who neutralized you? Who made you barren, who made you fruitless, who stopped you like a rocket that's going up, that blows up. So in Romans, we're not going to, we looked at a lot of scriptures there, but in Romans chapter 15, uh, let's look at that scripture again uh, about being hindered. In chapter 15, verse 20, I'll read it to you if you, if you can't get there. So, uh, in verse 20, Paul tells the church at Rome, I have strived to preach the gospel. And in verse 22, so you get the point there, I have strived to preach the gospel. But in verse 22, he said, I have been much hindered from coming to you. So there's a valiant start. There's a noteworthy start. I have strived. I've, I've got, I'm involved. I'm empowered to preach the gospel. But I, I've been hindered. I didn't make it. I was neutralized. You go, gosh, if Paul could get neutralized, maybe we could get set back. Uh, 
Let's see. In 1 Thessalonians 2.18, let me just read this to you. We read it Wednesday. We would have come to you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. So you think any of us have ever been hindered by ourselves, bad attitude, give up, having a little whiny party, a little pity party, a little why, God, why me, Lord? Why, why has this happened to me? Don't you just hate it when people say someone dies? I mean, you hate that, but then they, they'll always say they were such a good person. Why did this happen to them? As if good people lived to be 100 and bad people died at 20. There's a song that used to, they used to play, Only the Good Die Young. <laughs> it's all wrong. It's all messed up. The truth is the devil hates all of us, and he loves to take some of us out and do it in a way that affects other people around us. So Abraham was uh, hindered. Do you all remember how he was hindered? Time hindered him, for one thing. He was 25 years getting this boy birthed. And then he had this, this uh, what was her name? Hagar. Well, she was a hindrance. I mean, it wasn't her fault, but she might have been a good-looking woman, and things happened. So that he had 25 years of being hindered, but he would finish strong. He got big boy here. Praise God. So even though you may be hindered, I've been hindered, wrong thinking. Just wrong thinking, just thinking, well, God wouldn't do that when God was in the big middle of doing that. Just thinking the devil couldn't do that, and he's in the big middle of doing that. Thinking people are wonderful and finding out if they're not born again, they're subject to everything the devil's subject to. So we've all had an opportunity to not live strong, which then often turns into not finishing strong. I want to finish strong. It's the only thing that makes your life worth counting. Those seven runners in that 72 Munich race, uh, if you watch the video, you'll see that Waddle came up behind one of them, the Nigerians, and patted him on the back. And this guy shook it off and walked the other way. He wasn't a happy loser because they thought they had it. They led three-fourths of the race, and then they didn't win. That's who we are. No matter what hindrance we've come through, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. So we'll not go there, but in Judges 6, we looked at it, where Gideon was nobody from nowhere and going nowhere. And the angel appeared to him and said, Hey, thou mighty man of valor, you're going to deliver Israel. And he goes, Who, me? I'm not a winner. I'm not a strong finisher. I just hope to get out of this thing. And the angel told him, this is how it's going to be. And so he, he rose up against the Midianites, and he had a good run. Listen, he had a good run. With the Midianites, the nation became strong. They tore down all the idols. He was serving God. But in Judges chapter 8, it says that his testimony was lost. He did not finish strong because he did not do what Abraham did, which was teach Isaac, who taught Jacob and who taught uh, uh, the tribes and who taught their children. He didn't do that because the word said that he had 70 sons and none of them. He had a nation of warriors that he had raised up, but none of them protested when the, 
when the Israelites wanted to go back and worship idol. None of them protested. They all, in lockstep, went back. Not one stood up. So just because you had a good start and, and God commends you for what you do early, you got to finish strong. So that goes back to your testimony. How do, you, how, how do you know how strong you are? You have to rehearse your testimony. You should be replacing it. We should have a, a fan of, uh, of uh, three by five cards where we go, well, that was last week, and well, that was, and we're just always writing a new one. Your testimony is the most important thing you have after the new birth. Even the Holy Ghost, having the Holy Ghost and even being healed, being restored financially is a part of finishing strong. Testimony is top on all of them. Because if you can't remember what God has done, you'll not be able to lead anybody else into God what, what God will do. Is that right? Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30. Let's see if we got time. we got a few more minutes, 50 or 60. 1 Samuel, you know where it is. That's what we're saying while we leaf through our whole Bible. If you run into Revelation, you went too far right. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now this is a story that we, we're going to pick up on uh, that happened after David and Goliath. That happened after David smote the bear and the lion. This is down the road. He's, he's the huzba. He's the, the chief. He's the head of all of it. God has promoted him, and he's out there, and he's going towards finishing strong. Um, well, I had you turn there, but let me just tell you the story so we won't go over it. Uh, we, we know what it is, but uh, it says in verse 4, David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no power to weep. Well, what was that about? Well, they went off to war, and uh, who was? Uh, somebody came. Somebody came and burned down their stuff and took their wives and their children and all their cattle and everything of value. They raided their camp while they were off at war, and they took off everything. And verse 4 says that David and his men took it hard. That's all they had was their family and their possessions. And so uh, verse 6 says, David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. So everybody was having a hard day. You've got to blame somebody. Usually people blame God, but in this case, they blame God's man. You know you're going to get blamed for some things because you told the truth about finishing strong. Because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now, what do you think David did to encourage himself? David had history with the power of God. Let's put it in first person. I have history with the power of God. Let's do better. I have history with the power of God. And we know what God did do, he will do. It's a basic tenet that he didn't just say one and done. I, I helped you get out of the hole. I helped you uh, deliver you, but I'm done. That's enough. You just get so much and after that you're done. We know if he ever did something, he'll always do something. So David had history with the power of God. Well, uh, we won't go there, but in the David and Goliath story in 1 Samuel 17, uh, wait, let's just turn there. It's just, it's just 
17 is just right back there. In chapter 17, this is the David and Goliath story. We've gone over it, so we won't again. But in verse uh, 26, David had just shown up with some cheeses for the captains and greeting his brothers. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? And taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should divide the armies of the living God? What gave him that courage? What gave him that boldness? What made him strong at that moment? Well, he had a testimony of the lion and the bear. Undoubtedly, before he slew those two big boys, he had another testimony of other things in his life. Now, you don't go straight from mama's skirt to whooping the bear and the lion. There's other things in between. The Lord had shown himself strong. I said he's faithful to be at every part of your life. And so David had a testimony. And so right here he shows up to Goliath and the Philistines and he said, I've got a story. I've got a history. I've got a testimony of the power of God. And he even goes on there. uh, And let me read it in the New Living. It says, what will a man get for killing this Philistine? and ending his defiance of Israel. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? He was offended. He wasn't just saying we need to get free and we need to go to the house and, you know, they're bothering us. He was insulted that anything, which represents the devil in this case, would try to take away something that was God-given, God-purchased, and God-released he was just mad. It says in the, uh, 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 the World Bible, Who is this Goliath anyway? He is only some foreigner, nothing but a Philistine. Boy, that, that's a put down right there. The Philistines thought they were hot stuff. And David said, he's just a Philistine. God's Word translation says, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and gets rid of Israel's disgrace? I like that. Now, I'm telling you right here, family, you've got to have an attitude when the devil comes. You can't just play defense and just say, well, he's after me, and I'll have to get a plan, and I'll have to take authority, and I hope he doesn't get much, and what's going to happen to me, and this looks bad, uh, my situation looks hard. That's the wrong posture. That's the wrong stance. That's, you're always going to be defensive. We, we see that in this world situation we're in right now, is people that, that won't stand up. They're saying, let's take it easy. Let's not, let's not poke the bear. Well, the bear's already been poked. Verse 34. So it gets back to the king who's got his armor in the corner. He was head and shoulders above every man. Big boy. In verse 34, David said unto him, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard, and smote him. He was smoted. And slew him. He was slewed. Apparently, smoting and slewing is enough. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing that he hath defied the armies of the living God. Now, so what did he do? What what did he do then? He went back to his testimony, his testimony of the lion and the bear. What did he save when he got the lion and the bear? The word says they had taken a lamb. 
a lamb, a lamb. There's lots of lambs. But he took one lamb, and he was offended that the lion and the bear would come and take something that was not his, and he defended the principle of what's mine is mine, and you can't have any of it. So he was offended. He was insulted that, that the covenant had been breached, that the devil, the liar, the thief had come and crossed the line that can never be crossed. The Lord Jesus said, The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that he stops that. I've come to stop that. No more stealing, killing, and destroying. I've, he said, I've come that you might have life, but that's what it means. I came to stop it. And so if he, do, if he keeps on doing it, it's not because I didn't come. And it's not because I didn't bring the stuff that keeps him from doing that. So that's what David did. He he stirred himself up and said, King Saul, this is a patty cake. I've already done the lion and the bear. I'm just, a, the word says he's a youth and ruddy, whatever ruddy means. But he didn't say he was a giant of a man. He was, he, he was looked over with his own brothers. So David owned his testimony. I want to encourage you. I want to exhort you to love and good works this morning to own your testimony. It is the most powerful thing you have after the Word. And with some people, if not a lot of them, the Word is not the thing that they want to hear. You, you have the Word, and you got your testimony by the Word, but just giving them Scripture is usually just a testimony that we know Scripture. But if you tell them what God has done for you, they can say, you tell them, I was a nobody from nowhere. But God did this for me. Are you a nobody from nowhere? Mm-hmm, I sure am. I'm in trouble. Well, I was in trouble. And God delivered me, and He'll deliver you. Powerful. It's your lead every time you get with somebody. It's your lead when you get up in the morning. I was in debt, but He delivered me out. I was sick, but He delivered me out. Everybody was mad at me, and I was the bottom guy at the plant. But God, he dug me out, and now I'm running it. So if we go back to verse 6 in chapter 30, is that right, 30? Yeah. Not chapter 6, verse 6. I'm slipping you back over to chapter 30 in verse 6. To the last part of verse 6, it says, But David... They were all distressed, and everybody was mad. The Word says that they thought of stoning him. Now, that's pretty much get, get on your horse and run. That's, after you've been stoned, there's no negotiation. <laughs> it's over. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. What do you think he did to encourage himself? Well, he could have told the story of the lion and the bear, but that was old news. Now he could talk about of smooth stone from the brook that smacked the giant nine, nine feet, whatever that was, smacked him and he died. And then, and then, hear the stories, get the news. I cut his head off with his own sword. Wasn't just like, well, he was probably just sleeping. He was tired. No, I cut his head off. You've seen the stories. David's got his head. The thing is huge. So I say, this is what I say, that if you don't have a story, you don't have glory. Your glory 
is in your story. And you go, well, he saved me. Well, who's going to be impressed by that, that you believe that you're going to heaven and you don't have any proof? You don't have any proof you're going to heaven. That's a someday, some way. That's not your testimony. It's what gives you a testimony. It is what qualifies you to go have a testimony. But that's not your testimony. If that's all you have, you have no story. You go, well, it's just never been a good season. I've always been tired or busy or I didn't, didn't have the right stuff to get me a testimony. I, I, that's everybody. There's never a time to win that's convenient. Because the devil's after your little self. And he's, he's going to take you out. He's got to nail you or you have a story. He takes a chance when he backs you and me into a corner. He takes a chance. He takes a chance that he's going to win and that everybody will hear about how you were defamed and defrocked and humiliated. Or he takes a chance that we're going to beat his butt. So verse 8, here I am, I'm finally getting there. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue after this troop? So, you know, he had options. How many of y'all know there's always a way to win? There's always a way to win. Didn't seem obvious at first. It seemed like I'm just trying to get out of getting stoned. I'm just trying to get out of them putting a marker up over my body. But it said he inquired of the Lord. That's always smart. Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, the Lord, answered him. How cool God would answer you. Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them. And look, let's say it together, and without fail recover all. Now I'm telling you, that's your story. That's, that's your testimony. And if you don't have that at the end of your struggle, your fight, your, your defense of what's yours, I recovered all then there's still a better story that you could tell. The thief cometh but to steal. Well, he didn't steal as much. Well, that's nice. Kill. Well, he liked to got me, but I, I'm alive. And destroy. We need a testimony of I whipped him every way Sunday. Finish strong. Finish strong. Finish strong. Enduring is not your mantra. Survival is not who you are. Making it through is not what we do. It's not, it's not even what we're looking at. Oh my Lord, if I could just get through this, if I just could make it. That is, that is not who we are. Gird up the loins of your mind. Set your mind for action. Get a, a mentality of, I'm, I've already won this thing. As he is, so am I. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. He always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. I'm finished strong. And if I'm not finishing strong now, I'm not finished. He recovered all. Say it with me, first person. I recover all. So like Jonathan was talking about this morning, uh, you, you, back when we didn't know anything, before we knew we were the head and not the tail, absolutely. We thought we were the shoulder and not the hind shank or something like that. We, we didn't know who we were. Everybody's been through that phase. To get here and... To leave there, you had to go through, I'm not sure who I am. Most Christians do not know who they are. Therefore, they don't know what they have, and they don't know what they can do. Because those things come from knowing who you are. If you know you're a demon whipper, then you don't really stop at just saying, I pushed them back and they're not bothering me right now. Amen. 
I wrote down here that crisis is any place where experience is greater than your hope. Crisis is any place that your experience, not the word, not the truth, but your experience is greater, more traumatic than your faith. What you see. You got a bad attitude. You got a beaten attitude. You got a, a, a woe is me. Why, why is God letting this happen to me? That is a fatal question. It will kill you to ever say, why is God allowing this to happen? Because whatever you bind on earth is bound in the heavenlies, and whatever you loose on earth is loosed in the heavenlies. It's just not God is in control. I'm in control because he put me there. Well, he must have thought a lot of me. Well, not that much, but he thought a lot about the blood of Jesus. And he said, ah, that'll do. That's enough. And so here we are. So once David had God's word on it, listen, listen. He said, let it change everything. Once God said, pursue, you will recover all. David mounted up whatever they rode back then, him and the boys, and they took out. And the word said he recovered all. All his girls, all his kids, all his aunts. He, he got it all back. You ought to want to get it all back. But we're not going to go into deep intercession and we're not going to go into to some uh, deprivation of suffering and, and God choose me and Lord let your favor fall on me. It already has. Let me just tell you, when you got born again, the favor of God fell on you, courses through you. You are the most exciting thing that ever shows up at anybody's door or makes a phone call. You are it. You don't have to pray for God's favor. Well, I, I just get God's favor. We all pray for his favor. I'm born again. As he, if Jesus had any favor, and the word says he did, he had favor with God and man, well, then I have favor. The door is already open. The only thing that would keep it from swinging all the way open is if I didn't know it was swinging all, all the way open, and I would be reticent, I'd be hesitant, I'd, I'd draw back and say, well, it's just little old me here asking, I, I don't know. No, we bust the door down and say, I am here, I am here. Things are going to change because I am here. You might not mention that, but you would believe that and you would act like that. I, I wrote this down. I don't even remember where I got it. I found it in my notes. I've been on a big clean out. One thing about on the clean out, you find stuff you didn't even know you were losing, looking for. I wrote down, the Bible is the print version of God's conversation with you at your conception about his great plan for you. God's the Bible is the print version of God's conversation with you at conception about his great plan for you. So he's already talked to you about this. You don't remember it? Well, it's in you. It's in your spirit, man. It's in here. And if you'll look, you'll find it. If you'll look, if you'll look inside and say, what about me? He'll tell you, I chose you out. You are my favorite. I've got a plan for you that cannot fail. I have whooped every devil, laid, them, laid waste to them. I've opened doors. I've set people in your path. I've got money for you. I've got health and wholeness for you. Go get them, boy. That's what he said at conception. You think it was not that good? You're wrong. That's what he talked about, and he's still talking. I'm still dropping, but he's still talking. Hallelujah. I got this thing in my hand. Amen. So, I'm the winner. I finished strong. So what's, what, are you, what race are you in right now? What race are you in that you go, I, it could go either way? 
And truly, you might, if you were honest and, and you didn't have me in front of you, you might say, it don't look good. It looks like it's going the other way. But, you know, after that's over, we'll regroup and we'll save up and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, go, we'll move, we'll do something else, and we'll, we'll give it another throw. That's not the plan. You stand until you win all of it now. Now, you may have started out small and little and weak, but we can finish strong. I like that. The Lord told me, believe me for your turnaround. When everything's going south, suddenly at the next intersection, make a U-turn. Y'all heard that voice? If you take the scenic route like I do all the time, you hear that voice a lot. No, Bubba, this isn't where I told you to turn. Go to the next intersection and you turn and I'll straighten it out for you. That's what she says to me. So do you have a testimony? Well, it's not much. Well, people don't need much. The world is caving in. It's, it's falling in on them. Everybody in the world that doesn't have Jesus is hopeless. A lot of them that have Jesus but don't know it's hopeless. It's not hopeless, but they don't know that it's not hopeless. So you're good news. You're a, you're a cup of cool water from a far country. You are the, you're the refreshing of the Lord. You, you, you don't even have to have much, but because the world is so negative and so dark and so discouraged and so defeated, well, you just show up with a little flashlight and they'll think the sky's on fire. You don't have to have much because they're so dark that anything will show up good. So um, once you have a testimony, God's bigger. Everything's turning out amazing. All things are working together for good. They are. Oh, you don't know that? Well, let's pray. And we'll pray and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll uh, unfold the mysteries about your future. You can defeat any crisis. Once you have a testimony that you rehearse, that you go, this happened. Now, you've got to come into reality. It wasn't luck. It wasn't coincidence. It wasn't, you know, like that joke we told the other day about the guy that said, Lord, I'll serve you if you give me a parking spot. And then one opened up and he said, never mind. Well, you can't have that about your testimony. This would have happened anyway. You've got to deal with your testimony honestly and say, this was a divine intervention. This, this changed everything. I was going south, and all of a sudden, he turned me around. So I noticed in this uh, Samuel thing that David told his men, he prophesied to them, and that's what you got to do to your life. What I have to do to my life is you got to prophesy, we're going to recover all. In other words, you can't just tell your testimony. you got to look at your situation. you got to tell your wife, darling, we're recovering all. And she'll go, well, how? That's irrelevant. That doesn't, that's not a part of this. We are recovering all. And you'll decree a thing and it'll be established and you and the light shall shine upon your ways. It'll be like you say. So you're not having what you want. Well, you're not saying what you want. You're saying what you see. And when you say, you create. Or at least put things on hold. When we're, when we're, we're saying what we see, we're not saying what we don't see. And we don't want what we have. We don't want what we see. We want what we hadn't seen. So we got to call things that be not. We got to start getting over there. So we got to start looking at something else. We can't look at our situation because the doctor's right. Your checkbook's right. 
It's the fact of the matter, but it's not the truth of the matter. But it is the fact. And if you say, well, don't tell me this isn't true. I I only have $50. Yeah, but that's not who you are. And so that's not what you have. And that's not all you can do. So I say, this is just me, rehearse your testimony. I gave you a little card this morning. If you, if you messed that one up, you copied it off somebody else's card and <laughs> thought we were going to turn it in. So you, you smoked the bear and you, you smacked the line, you slew the line, you, you wrote down somebody else's testimony. It won't do you a flitter of good. And don't try to embellish it. Don't try to say, well, you know, God this and that, and God wasn't even around when that was happening. Tell your testimony. And then if you, if you don't like it, upgrade it. Upgrade your testimony so that you can say, I've got lots of testimonies. you got lots of testimonies? Sure. You might rehearse several of them so that you can plug it into whatever situation that's coming down the line, whether it's financial or whether it's healing whether it's a divorce and uh, somebody's mad and mean to their, their wife or whatever. And I'll tell you, the truth is, before you get your own testimony, you can use somebody else's. Well, how can you do that? Well, Deborah's been reading all year last year. So I just say, I know, I know a Christian man that this happened. Money multiplied in his billfold. Really? I said, yeah. And you can tell it like it's your own. Don't say it's your own, but Leroy Thompson laid hands on his washing machine. I tell that one all the time. Uh, There's lots of people that ran out of gas. And they made it to town anyway. Find you a testimony that fits. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing every single service, or Sunday anyway is we're talking about the supernatural. We're talking about things that are, that are beyond people's experience so that they don't have to live their own experience. And it'll make you strong. If you have a testimony, you get kind of like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? You get an attitude on, I, I'm, I'm insulted. You let this guy even on the grounds. Make him holler from way back at the back of the Philistines. Don't let him come up, up here on this holy ground. You just get all sorts of indignation and all sorts of, you get blustery. Like, no, how dare you, devil, try to steal from me? You're on the property. You can't even come on my property. You go, that's not right. Sure it is. Sure it is. But you can't just put it on. You got to get it in. So we're doing our part here at River Church. I think we are. Where we just talk about, everybody gives their testimony. Y'all didn't used to peep. Anybody got testimony? Mm. Yeah. And now it's like, me first. Pick me, pick me, pick me. That's what we have to have. And so we're saying, we're saying of each other, well, uh, Jonathan said that, and everybody thought that was good. Well, then my testimony doesn't have to be I raised three people from the dead. It could be this thing. And so we'll share it, and it strengthens us in our own testimony. And then from the testimony, you can prophesy to your future. God, uh, I slew the bear and the lion. This Philistine is going down. These people from Z- that took off my kids and my stuff, they're going down. Victory begats victory.
If you ever get over on the winning side, it's the only side you'll be on. But if you rehearse, yeah, I lost this and that fell apart and nothing's going my way, then you're going to see the, the, the remake of that movie in your life. Everybody got a testimony? Did you write down something? Maybe your testimony was, I need to write down a testimony. I, I, I need to get one. <laughs> or maybe you're looking across the aisle saying, can I write yours down? Sure. Lord, we love you. We thank you that we are at the right place with the right people. We have a word. We have a word in due season for everybody we meet. We have the answer for their life because you are the answer for everyone's life. I praise you, Lord, that you're raising up a people that will finish strong. No matter what our beginning, no matter what our middle, we finish strong at River Church. Use us, Lord. We want to finish strong. We want to be those people that you could count on, that you raised up through humble beginnings and through didn't have anything and wasn't going anywhere, but you caused heaven to come down into earth. I pray for strength, that you strengthen us by your might in our inner man. I pray that we would see and know. Now, who is that? We're going to wait on you, so just go ahead and decide to do it. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Jesus. Would y'all lift your hands with me and praise the Lord for that good, good word? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to change. We're going to change from being upside down to being right side up. Praise God. I'm changing. I'm changing. I'm, I'm adjusting. I've got my turnaround. Things weren't, but now they are. Things weren't, but now they are. I'm glad we prayed for you, Wendy. We, I mean, Melissa, and we agreed with her, but ah, she doesn't care. We prayed for you. <laughs> so you take those words and you do war with them. And you finish strong. Pam, you finish strong. Lisa, finish strong. Sue, finish strong. Hell's been launched against you, but heaven's already there. You finish strong. You have another verse to your testimony. We'll sing it with you. Hallelujah. What else? Y'all got anything else? Amen. Well, let's stand up and sing a song then.